You're listening to the NBA Outsiders Podcast, hosted by Peter Kennedy, John Lucas, Duffy, Frank Villani, and Justin Babb. We talking ball. We talking ball and we tweeting ball at NBA underscore Outsiders. And this is the Sports Blog New York Podcast. So give them a follow too, at Sport Blog NYC. Hit them up with a follow. And you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, all that good stuff. Just follow us on Twitter and we'll hook it up. Yeah, also check us out on the World Wide Web at sportsblognewyork.com. Just click on the podcast tab and we will be there. I can't really sing. <laughs> yeah. La, 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 Listening to the NBA Outsiders podcast hosted by Peter Kennedy, John Lucas Duffy, Frank Villani, and Justin Babb. Our podcast is on SoundCloud as well as iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and always on sportsblognewyork.com. You can subscribe to the Sports Blog New York podcast, which is where the NBA Outsiders podcast lives for now. Our own feed will be coming soon, and we look forward to launching that one for you guys to get all the notifications and everything you need to know about the NBA Outsiders podcast. But we have so much to talk about tonight. So many topics, teams, and players. So let's bring in all of our hosts here on the NBA Outsiders. First, but not first, but the worst. I don't know what I was going there. But John Lucas Duffy, what's up, man? What up, what up, Pete? How we doing? I'm not sure where I was going there. First, but the worst. I was going to say last but not least, play like that, but I couldn't really get it. A for effort. Eh, you could have gave me like a C minus there, honestly. Yeah, definitely C minus. Actually, I was going to correct that. And next, Frank Villani, what's up? How we doing, Petey? I appreciate how you start every podcast with the how we doing, Petey. Big fan. <laughs> it's like a staple in my life. I've been saying that since I'm like 10 years old to you. So You yeah. you were saying, me and you playing Little League Baseball like way back when. You just showing up to practice as 10-year-old Frank. How we doing, Petey? <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like a force of habit, you know? And last but not least, this time I could use last but not least, Justin Babb, how we doing? What's up, Pete? We're doing good. It's been a good uh, first couple weeks of NBA. It seems like the league's kind of turned upside down, but we'll get into all that. But yeah, we're doing good, man. That's a that's a good thing to bring up. And off that, I will say that we have oh, so many teams to talk about right now because so many different things have been happening. So many teams have been playing either well or poorly that weren't exactly expected to play that way. So we're going to try to talk about a lot of those teams. Uh, but the, I feel like we need to start in a specific place after I shout out Bab having a good week with Ben Simmons really showing out. We're going to get to that later. But where That's I want to cool. start off, where I want to start off is with this very statement. I've once heard the criticism, super teams ruin the NBA. That's what people said last year, right? So Duff, I want to go to you first. You heard this critique, if you will. How do you feel about it right now after about two weeks of the NBA season? It couldn't be more true, Pete. We got Grizzlies are first in the West, like everyone had predicted, and the Pistons obviously have taken a commanding lead in the East. It, it it's just it, super teams have ruined the league is ruined, Pete. We can't go on. There's no, no parity anymore. Are you gonna boycott? I I'm almost there. I'm almost there. If they take if the Pistons take like a five game lead over like the four seed, I'll probably just stop watching till the finals because it's gonna be Pistons Grizzlies. Everyone knows. But wait, you also know that it's there's a three-way tie for the one seed in the East. So you're you're discounting the Orlando Magic, who everyone else had up at the top. So, the Magic, they're fake news. 
They're fake news, but the Pistons are for real. Everyone knows this. <laughs> yeah, everyone knows. <laughs> Frank, you got thoughts on this? Uh, I'm in 100% agreement with Duff. Um, the Pistons are the real deal, and we all knew that coming into the season. So, you know, no surprise there. Wait, I have um, I have a bad feeling that there's somebody listening to this podcast right now just saying, wait, what are these guys talking about? <laughs> yeah, someone definitely is just listening <laughs> for the know. first time and turned it off. <laughs> yeah, we, we already lost the, the few listeners that we already have. Uh, with you guys saying that, this is all expected and the league's ruined. Um, but basically what you guys are trying to say sarcastically is that this has been a wild few first weeks or a few first games to the regular season. We have the Cavs losing to the Nets, Magic, and Knicks. In like a yeah. week span, what is going on, Bab? Nothing makes any sense. Bab, <laughs> Bab, can you enlighten the group for a second? What's going no, on here? They, they, they didn't just lose to the Knicks; they got blown out by the Knicks. Like all these teams, I don't know if it's they're they're coming into the season, you know, just in a lull because they're expecting to make the playoffs. And I know we talked about that a little bit, but I feel like coming into the season, like when you're a top dog team, like you should come in. Like, I get you can lose that chip on your shoulder. You can kind of lose that edge a little bit. But, like, the season just started. Like, show some heart a little bit. Like, show me you want to be there. And, like, these teams have the talent, and they're just – they're losing the teams that they shouldn't lose to at this point. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, actually. <laughs> I mean, like, it seems to be that it's like a, it's a chore to go out there night by night in this era of rest to kind of – kind of makes sense to me now it seems just like these guys don't want to play the whole season they're just not into it right now because they think it's it should be a walk in the park but you know everybody's treating it like it's the it's the finals to them when they get to play the Warriors the Cavs and teams are taking it to them and they're just not ready for it right now for whatever reason I think it's purely lack of effort but yeah but I mean at the same time though that's good for us as NBA fans it's 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 shaking it up a little bit, you know. It's it's not. We're seeing things we didn't expect. It's it's weird, but that's it's in a way. It's what you want. You want your league to have enough parity to the point where it feels like any team could win on any given night. You know, if one player gets hot on whatever team, if one player gets hot on the Knicks or the Nets or the Suns or the Pelicans or like the Heat, the Bulls, like the even the Bulls gave a really good game to the Cavs last week. Yeah. I mean, even even besides the Cavs, just looking at other teams that were expected to be top teams in the NBA, uh, I believe Philadelphia played Houston Rockets twice since we spoke last. And the first game, they they blew it in the final seconds, and Eric Gordon hit a game-winning three. And then the second one, I believe they were in Houston, and they, they kind of beat up on them. And, like, that's that, – I would not have expected that, like, in, in the slightest bit. Like, to me, that – that speaks to how um, the bottom of the NBA is closing on the top of the NBA slightly. We're not there yet, but we're getting there. Yeah, and let's talk um, more specifically about guys like Ben Simmons and the Sixers in a little bit. Uh, just to mention the overarching you know, general theory here of what we're talking about, there are some teams that we still do know are not very good, right? So with the Hawks and the Bulls and the Mavs and the Kings – we all pretty much knew they were going to be pretty bad, and they all look pretty bad. But then there's these teams all throughout the middle of each conference. Like um, when you you if you range from the Thunder, Pelicans, Nuggets, Jazz, Timberwolves, and then even teams who have been overperforming in the East a little bit, like the Hornets, the Pacers, the Nets, and uh, the Raptors look good again. The Magic have four wins already, and that, that's now you're naming a lot of teams. You're naming a lot of players, and we didn't even call out the actual biggest and baddest teams yet. 
And now there's a bunch of teams who people are respecting, and it's more fun to watch on any given night where the Nets can compete with the Cavs or any given night where the Hornets are going to go into Memphis and, and beat them on their home court. It, it, it's way more fun for the first couple weeks, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, let's not short the Magic. They got five wins. They just got four. They uh, got five wins. Right that's now. true. They beat the Pelicans. And the Pelicans are another team now. When you run out Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins, they're both basically dropping 30 a night at this point. And if one doesn't, the other does. It's pretty ridiculous and that they can't win that many games. They're almost a 500 team at this point. But that's kind of what we expected from them. Um, but let's move on to a different thing. So I think the overall consensus from us is that super teams did not ruin the NBA. Uh, the Warriors and Cavs going to the you know their fourth and then LeBron's you know, eighth straight final isn't going to be an easy task. And we tried to warn people of that before the season, saying just repeating once is difficult. And yet they've all done it now multiple times. Warriors for the fourth now they're trying to do. And LeBron for the eighth in a row he's trying to do. So it's going to be a long road. And it it proves over the first two weeks. But let's talk about a specific team that I feel like we should recap earlier on in this episode because we talked about them at length last episode. And I'm going to ask the question, whose teams is this when we talk about the Minnesota Timberwolves? So, Duff, I'll go to you first. Timberwolves, whose teams is this? Yeah, so last week we talked about this a lot because we kind of saw it coming because Jimmy Butler hadn't played well and they were having some wonky games. And I was on the fence about this. I didn't have too much of an opinion. The, the debate is Jimmy Butler versus Carl Anthony Towns. And it definitely seems like Towns is taking the reins of this team. And we all kind of saw him becoming this player, but we didn't think he would maybe take the leap in the first couple weeks of the season over Jimmy Butler. But it seems like that's what he's doing when he's putting up 39 or 33 and 19 against the Thunder for, for a win. And Jimmy Butler had a great game as well. But when your number one option is 22 years old and he is just dominating, that's it's his team. It's, it's Carl Anthony Towns' team. But what what about if I say to you, and I'll reference what Frank said when we were talking about some feedback. We said to people, you know, who do you think is the leader of this team? Who do you think is the most important? Who do you think is better? All that. Frank said, we don't care who you said. We just want to hear your opinion. And then he jokingly said, unless you say Andrew Wiggins, because then you're a clown and don't listen to our show joking around. Yeah, I was, well, I was actually <laughs> just going to like. Yeah, so yeah. Frank, take the reins, bro. What about Wiggins, man? He's been showing up. Yeah, no, I'm straight up just going to take that comment back. Um for some reason, I guess I guess he was not kidding when he's talking about like this confidence that he gets from playing next to Jimmy Butler. Um, it's kind of cool, honestly, seeing him take all these late game shots. He, I mean, st- statistic people will tell you that clutch genes don't exist, but damn, I'm having a hard time believing that right now because he's hitting everything late in the game, keeping his team in it. Um, it's phenomenal to watch, and honestly, he looks like. It looks like it's Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins, and then Jimmy Butler, which surprises me. Really surprises me. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with if you guys are all saying Towns, I'm with Towns. I've said that it's been Towns from the beginning. Like, I think Butler is their biggest performer on the defensive end, but like strictly from a number standpoint, Towns is averaging like 25 and 12 right now. Like, nobody else on that team is even close to him. Like, he wants the ball. He knows he can dominate, and I mean, he. I think they were playing the Pacers the other night. He dropped like thirty-five and twenty. Like, 
he just has like another gear that like nobody else has it seems like and he's just he's one of the most dominant if not in my opinion he's a dominant most dominant big man in the league right now well i can think of a few names who would love to argue that when two of them have been mentioned in davis and cousins i'm sure kp Kristaps porzingis would have something to say after his first uh, six games this season but i think i was in the minority here of the team Jimmy Butler, that this is Jimmy's team. And right now I definitely look wrong, but I'm not going to fall back on this quite yet. I'm going to chalk this up to Jimmy's the one who really has to change right now. So for Towns and Wiggins, this might feel kind of similar to last year, except they're having a little more success because Jeff Teague's getting 20-7, and seven, and Jimmy is guarding the best player on the team. And maybe maybe Wiggins and Towns look really comfortable because you know they are in their home the only NBA home they've ever had. And Jimmy and Jeff got to get a little more comfortable, even though Teague's played some key minutes already this year, late in games. Um, I have faith in Jimmy Butler still. I think he will, at some point in this season, get back to this form. I think it's going to be sooner than later, next two to three weeks, I, I believe. Uh, we're going to look back at Jimmy Butler and say, okay, he's fine. He got his his jumper back. He, he's getting to the hoop now. He's scoring 20 a night. And I, I do have that faith in Jimmy, whether or not he's shown I should have faith in him yet. The thing that I'm, the one thing I'm very concerned about when it comes to the Timberwolves, though, is Tibbs is supposed to be this defensive guy, and Jimmy Butler is supposed to anchor that defense. They have the last, the thirtieth ranked defense in the NBA right now. Dead last. You know who's twenty nine? The Nets. The Cleveland Cavaliers. Second to last. But we'll get we'll get (laughs) to that later. That's something, huh? But also on the Timberwolves, I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this. Shabazz Muhammad filed a official document to change his name from Shabazz to just Baz. How do you feel about that? I feel like he's I'm infringing just... on your name, and I'm pissed about it. It's pretty damn close. <laughs> that crossed my mind. It's pretty damn close. But uh, I, I think I like it, though. I, I, like, I think you should also this? change your name to Baz. <laughs> Baz, okay. you got to claim. You got to claim that shit. Whose names is this? Whose names is this? He's taking my names. <laughs> I, I think that's a boss move. Uh, I, I said it in the in last episode. Um, I really think that he's taking a step up. He's shown that he can be a legitimate role player slash bench guy in this league. He just gets buckets, man. He's a hard worker on the offensive end. But um, I just wanted to hit real quick on Petey's point about Jimmy Butler coming into his own. Um, so far, it seems like Andrew Wiggins has been their closer. Like... Like I said before, he hits all these big shots. I think as the season progresses, I mean, he's still, what, like 22, 23 years old? I mean, it's encouraging to see. I think at some point in his career, he still he will be that guy. I have no doubt about it. But I don't think he's ready to be that guy for a whole season just yet. And I think once he cools down, that's when you'll see Jimmy Butler take that role. And Jimmy Butler could be the closer for this Timberwolves team. I really see that going forward. And also, just to go off that, uh, Shabazz Muhammad, bucket getter, uh, he has 4 points, 0 points, 4 points, 14 points, 2 points, 2 points, 2 points this season. So he needs to step up if he wants to be actually a bucket getter off the bench for them. Because you you know what? He should be that guy. He just hasn't been that guy this year. Uh, but we need to move on off the Timberwolves. I think that's going to be good stuff. If anyone has any closing terms on the Timberwolves, speak now or get out. I think, I think Baz is trying to change the narrative with this name change and, st- and distract from the fact that he's like minus 30 on the season when he's on the court. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm with you, Duff. And now we have to move on because I'm not allowing Frank to have a rebuttal. Um, no, I love that. I love that. 
What was that? <laughs> That's just me saying ew to that stat. Like I don't have a rebuttal. That's gross. All right, perfect. Well, let's move on now. So I think it's our obligation. I, I hate that this is kind of our obligation, but we have two teams that we have to mention. And let's do a good job and not spend too much time here because if you're an NBA fan, you can turn to literally any channel and hear about these two teams, but it is our duty to at least give our quick opinions on the state of these two teams. So let's do this. Um, Frank, I'll go to you first. Cavs and Warriors, people are you know asking those questions. Should we be worried? Should we be not? Most people are like, everyone shut up. Some people are like, yo, the Cavs actually can't stop anybody. Um, how do you feel about these Cavaliers right now? Um, I'm not worried about them. I mean, we, we spoke about this in length in the group chat. Um, for the first week of the season, they were missing both Isaiah Thomas and Derrick Rose. Not many teams will play too well without their starting and backup point guard. I don't care what team you are. Um, second, like... I don't know. They kind of seem like this at the end of the season last year, too, before it got important, and then they just turn it on. They're just one of those teams. I think it's LeBron James. I'm 99% sure it's LeBron James, but I'm not worried. The Cavs are the Cavs. They'll be but, there. But, Frank, the thing we're worried about is defense, and you really think Derrick Rose or Isaiah Thomas is going to improve their defense? I mean, it's stri- strictly from, like, a matchups and minutes-wise, like, yeah, it puts everybody back into the role that they're comfortable in being. Like, I know starting LeBron at the one is awesome and cool, but, like, it's not his natural position. I don't care how good he is at it. Like, LeBron James's potential is maximized as a four or as a three when he can, you know, play both inside and outside, not just be a point guard. So I think it does really matter. Yes. But yeah, I think a defense – Defensively, though, like I just think this team, this team is old. Like, or, or they're not known for their defense. Like, you, you would think like they have Jose Calderon, who doesn't play, but like they have him. He's old. Kyle Korver, uh, Kevin Love, not known for his defense. Jay Crowder hasn't been the defender that we thought he was. Dwayne Wade, old. Like, Jay, Jay Crowder's I, also been only playing like about twenty minutes a game or less. I, he's hitting spot up threes, like he's getting good shots for them. But the concern is not their offense; it is their defense, and I am very concerned about that because you're, you're saying last season, oh, they ended uh, poorly on the defensive end. Well, I'm I'm worried about that moving forward because it seems like that's carrying over now. Playoffs are a different story. How many but how many games did they lose in the Eastern Conference playoffs? F- fair, fair point, fair point. But it looks like they need some someone on the offensive end who's going to help carry this load and just be an individual scorer. Because there's not many – like the only guy on this team I would say, all right, here's the ball, go get us a bucket, and I would feel comfortable with is LeBron. And last year they had Kyrie, and this year they're going to get Isaiah Thomas back eventually. You don't, you don't feel comfortable giving the ball to Kevin Love? Uh, I, I mean, like on the, on the block I do, but not – with the ball, like, create your own shot. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And what I'll add to this, I think this narrative of are the Cavs actually that bad on defense, Are they, sh- or should they be worried, this is going to change to a point where they're going to clearly be a top four team, top three team, top two team in the East, I think. I think it's going to change to that soon where we're going to say, all right, 
they're fine for the regular season, but for real, they need to figure something out if they're trying to be in the finals again. I think that's where this narrative is going to go, to where the Warriors, it's going to be, they clearly just aren't as invested or focused as they were last year and the year before. They're kind of just chilling. They're going to have to turn it up, but there's no reason to think that they can't yet. Yeah, so I guess we're all saying nothing really to worry about too much right now about the Cavs. But I will say there's more to worry about down the road for the Cavs than there is the Warriors. Clearly, clearly, obviously clearly, but that narrative for the Cavs is going to continue, whereas I think the Warriors one will settle down. Well, because if you're talking about defense, the Warriors, I mean, they have a good defense. Like, their defense is good, their offense, they... Just all around, the Warriors have the best lineup in the NBA. But so far this year, they're def- they're like 25th in defensive rating so far this year. Like, I get it. It's early, and I'm definitely not nearly as concerned with this team. But I'm very concerned about my overpick for the Warriors. I'll say that. <laughs> well, I mean, if we're moving on to the Warriors, I feel the exact same way. It's It's purely an effort stance. Like, I'm not worried at all. It just seems like... They're going into games like it's a foregone conclusion. We're the Warriors. They're scared of us. They still think the NBA is scared of them, so they don't have to show up every night. But it's not like that anymore. It's Every team is ready to go out there and give them 150% because now everybody knows that, like, that's the mark. That's the bar. Let's go see you know, how we measure up to it. And you know, people have been taking it to them. They're just not ready for it yet. That's why I think, honestly, I think that's why Draymond's been so angry lately and getting so many technical fouls besides getting like – kind of targeted by players on other teams for trash talking and stuff, whatever. But um, he just seems mad because nobody's into it, and he's the only one who wants to win games. He doesn't care when it is. So, I mean, I'm not worried. I'm yeah, not. I, I heard something today on The Herd via Chris Broussard, and basically what he stated was very interesting to me. He said that all these great players in the NBA who have won back-to-back championships in their career, you think about Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, um, you know, when Magic and Bird were doing it, there was there was something maniacal about them. There was something, you know, deeply rooted inside of them that where it was win or nothing. And most of the Warriors outside of Draymond don't really have that mentality. Like Steph Curry isn't maniacally saying like we need to win every single game like right now, I'm freaking out. That's not his style, but Michael Jordan would freak out on his teammates and would not allow anything but winning. So it's interesting to see that in this fourth run at the finals they're making, will they keep the intensity up when it matters, or or, or are they going to just hit a groove and start cruising and it's not going to matter anyway? I mean, I think Draymond is that guy, so... But is I think he that's the, what everybody but, talks about. But is he the level the player, though, to be able to lift everybody else to do the same? I think he is. Anybody else disagree? Uh, I'm not. I, I think he is the engine that makes the Warriors go. There's, the, there's he's kind of like the heart and soul of that team, even if he's not the one putting up 30 points a game or whatever. But I think the Warriors are just kind of. I, I don't think there's much to worry about here. Definitely not. But I the the one thing that I'll say is I think they learned a lot from that season where they won 73 games and then lost in the finals because they burnt themselves out. I think they learned a lot from that, and I think that uh, 
Sorry, Pete, stop texting the group. You distract me. Um, I just, I, I, just that, I just texted. I, Is that your phone that's ringing? I don't. I have no idea, dude. Um, I just said everyone it, turn their ringer off because <laughs> you can hear look, it in the background. No one be worried about the Warriors. I think they're on cruise control still. The season isn't even wasn't even supposed to start until like six days ago. So maybe they were just still in training camp mode. Whatever. I'm taking. I'm, wait, no. I'm taking that as you're the one who left your ringer on. And now you're trying to just pass it on like it wasn't your fault. It feels like it. Fab, I want to go to you next here because you, <laughs> <laughs> you, you were high on this man <clears throat> uh, before the season started. Victor Oladipo and the Indiana Pacers, you, had, you definitely had some, a lot of confidence in them. How are you feeling about the Paul George for Oladipo and Sabonis trade right now? Listen, Paul George might be the better player in the long run. I mean, he is. He's right now. He is a all-star player. He's an Olympic player. I mean, he's one of the best players in the league. But right now, and I have said it from the beginning, like Oladipo is playing out of his mind. Like he's averaging like twenty-five and a half points. He's shooting like forty-seven percent from three and fifty-two percent overall. And I'm pretty sure that was the knock earlier when we were talking. And I brought it up. You guys were a little wary on his offense, but like I. I, I like this guy, and I really do think that he can be a game-changer. He can be a leader of that team, and he hit that – I forget who they were playing. Who, who were they playing? He hit that that deep, just cold-blooded, buzzer-beaten three. The Spurs. Was it the Spurs? Yes. And, like, he hit it and just ran to half court and, like, pounded his chest. Like, he's getting confident. Uh, you know, he's still young, and, like, he's just – I mean, he, I guess he surprised a lot of people, but I've really liked what I've seen out of him. I mean, he's a really good player, in my opinion. And listen, let's not, I, I can't tell you who won or lost that trade. We're seven games into the season, but he has outperformed all his expectations. I think that is fair to say. Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with you. Um, to me, it kind of feels like the, the DeMarcus Cousins to, to Pelicans trade, and everybody's talking about, like, oh, my God, the Kings got fleeced. Kind of the same deal here. Like, oh, my God, the Thunder fleeced the Pacers. They got Paul George for nothing. And, you know, now that's like some time has passed and a little bit has just stated and we actually get to see the results of the trade, it's actually kind of intriguing. I don't think that the gap in talent going both ways is actually too crazy. So I actually think these are both pretty good trades for, for the Kings and for the Pacers. I really I really like it. And let, let me add this. Because uh, that trade's not only Victor Oladipo. DeMontis Sabonis is a part of that trade. And Miles Turner went out with a concussion in, I think, the second game of the season. Or maybe even the first game. I forget. But Sabonis has been starting since then. Uh, and even with getting less minutes in Game 1 when T- Turner was hurt, he's playing 26 minutes a game, 13 points, 10 rebounds. He's had a double-double in four of the last five and double-digit rebounds, rebounds in five straight games. He's doing the right things on the basketball court. He has a little bit of an ability to stretch the floor. Not great. He knows how to pass. He can finish around the rim. He does things well. And I think when Miles Turner comes back, they're going to feel it even better that they have DeMontis Bonus to play with the second unit and then fill in with the first unit. And it makes them that much more dynamic. So, you know what? You're right. We thought the Pacers got fleeced. Oladipo looks explosive. He can handle the ball better than maybe we thought he could because Russell Westbrook didn't let him last year. And Sabonis ain't half bad. He's an NBA player. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, when you're playing with Russell Westbrook, you're not going to be 
dominating the ball ever in any part of the season. You're just not going to have the ball that much. And he's taken that lead role and he's ran with it and done extremely well. I mean, just love what you're seeing out of him. Nobody expected him to average almost 26 points, five rebounds, two steals. Like, he's killing it right now. Real quick on the Pacers talk, where is Monte Ellis? Is Monte Ellis still on the Pacers and or in the NBA? I don't even want to answer that question. He's so relevant. I mean, I guess so, but, like, if he's not in the NBA, that would surprise me. He might. Uh, he is not in the NBA. Wow. I bet you he signs at a contender halfway through the season. I bet you he doesn't. Yeah, no chance, bro. He was horrendous last year. We'll see. What happened to him? He got old, bro. He's a he's a, he's a six foot uh, slasher. He's not a sh- even a good shooter. He's been a slasher his whole career, playing physical, and now he's like in his probably thirties and can't move, can't get to the, can't get to the rim. You know who can get to the rim though? Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon can get to the rim, but apparently Aaron Gordon can also shoot threes. Like what? All of a sudden, Aaron Gordon. We mentioned the Magic in the open. All of a sudden, Aaron Gordon in, what, year four of his career, has decided he can now shoot. Very shocking uh, to the naked eye, and probably to basically every eye, because no one had expectations for the Magic. But, Frank, I'm going to go to you, because you mentioned this to us uh, on Twitter, or you you shouted it out uh, at the NBA underscore Outsiders Twitter uh, Twitter page. What do you think of this? What do you make of Aaron Gordon shooting this well this season? I'm I'm out on it. I've never bought into him as a shooter. Um, he was a terrible perimeter scorer last year. Just he's he can get to the basket, like you said. He's got great hops, but he's always kind of been in between positions and has never looked comfortable in the NBA. And I think it's because he never had a jump shot. And all of a sudden, like from one summer, he goes from one of the worst shooters to one of the better shooters. And I, I just don't buy that. I mean, I can see maybe him making a small a small leap in shooting, but like. Ah, it's tough to buy that for me. Do you know that he's ah. currently shooting 59% from three? That's, that makes me even more out on it, honestly. Because that's like a statistical anomaly that he's shooting but, at. But don't underestimate the power of the contract here. He did not take his extension this summer, and he's betting on himself. And he also uh, wants to get his ass out actually, of Orlando. Actually, speaking of that, uh, that's because Magic has new new management and none of these guys were drafted by them. So they this is actually team options. Aaron Gordon and Alfred Payton both had their team options denied because management wanted this year to quote-unquote evaluate. That's why they just did it with Hazonia as well because they didn't draft those guys. And well, Hazonia's bonds. I guess they're saying bye-bye to Alfred Payton and Mario Hazonia. But if Aaron, yeah, Gordon, if Aaron Gordon falls down to earth and crashes deep into the core of the earth, he still might be like an average three-point shooter. So he's 59%, and obviously there's literally no chance in France he, he even sniffs 50%. Uh, if he sniffs sniffs 40%, it would be spectacular. Do, can be you see? Wait, but Frank, can you see him settling at like a 33 to 36% range? Nah, not this year. So you I think... Mean, I- you think he's going to go mean, from I, shooting so, so well to falling straight off the map back to what he shot the past three years, which was basically 29%? I mean, I can see him capping out maybe 31 but like I, I just don't see like a 5% jump. I feel like that's pretty high, especially for three-point. Like that's 
that's a tough that's a tough jump to make, man. I think you're underestimating him. I think he's got a chance to be league average this year, and if he's somewhere in the league average, like 36 percent, and he is a freak athlete that he is, watch out. Just that's all I'm gonna say. Watch out. I feel like part of it also is like at this point right now in the NBA season, like if I'm playing defense and Aaron Gordon's pulling up a three. I'm not chasing that super hard. That's kind. Of, I'm kind of winning that possession. And in my mind, right now, obviously, statistics will tell you that I'm wrong. But I'd rather him shoot the three than him go to the bucket. So, for sure, I, I would agree with that. If if he keeps shooting well enough to where people have to respect it, I think he crashes right back down to earth because he doesn't get the looks that he's getting right now. So either way, I just don't see him being this type of shooter for the whole season. I mean, at the same time, we talked about this in one of the previous pods. If there's one thing that you can teach in the NBA, it's it's shooting the ball. It's how to shoot the ball. And, yeah, you shot 27, 28, 29% the last three years, uh, respectively. But listen, we, we said it. He's not going to keep up 59%. But he, I'm, I'm with Duffy. He could definitely be a league average, you know, three-point shooter. And t- I mean, I think teams are going to have to start respecting him, you know. because. And- yeah, go ahead. No, sorry, you go. I was cutting you off. No, I was gonna say, yeah. Originally, like, like what Frank said, like if he's pulling up for three, like you're gonna you're gonna give him that. You're gonna live with you know whatever the outcome that shot may be. Um, but right now, it looks like teams are gonna have to start coming out and and respecting that shot. And if they are, I think that's just gonna make him a more dangerous inside presence if he can get that you know pump fake first step. You know, because I mean, he is explosive. He's got athleticism, so he can already get to the rim if he can get that three-point shot. You know, just to average, um, he'll be, you know, he'll be something to to respect and watch out for. And that's the point that I always make on Demar Derozan, because I just think he should shoot more of them. If you can just create an atmosphere where you know the other team will sometimes expect you to shoot a three. That's a good place to be, and I think Blake Griffin is trying to get there this year, and that's a guy who Aaron Gordon easily gets compared to all the time based off size and athleticism. They're both shooting over four threes a game. Right now, you know, they're both shooting really good percentages. Blake's at 42, which is very good, and he won't stay that high either. But if they can just be respectable, we said it about Giannis as well, who's shooting 33% right now. That's not good, but for a guy like that, if the other team can just say, hesitate and try to defend it, it makes their life so much easier offensively. And I think Aaron Gordon can get to that point, agreeing with Duff and Bab. Yeah, it's the evolution of the big man. You got you to gotta be able to step out now. Just being able to be respectable. That's all that matters. Because yeah. then Absolutely. when they sag off you, that's what we're worried about with Ben Simmons too, right? We're worried they just sag off, sag off, sag off. He's got nowhere to go in a half-court set. Uh-huh. Well, that's a good amount of portion of this podcast uh, on Aaron Gordon. It's going to be interesting to watch. I mean, we joked about the Magic actually being a good team. I don't think any of us think they're going to be like a playoff team. Does anyone think they're going to be a playoff team? No. I still don't know. Fuck no. <laughs> I still got my under on them, yeah. Okay. So that's good. So we spent enough time there. And we got to get to some more things. So I want to bring up a man who I just mentioned quickly. Uh, another guy who is looked at who can't shoot, and he is not shooting 50% from three this season so far. But that guy's Ben Simmons, and he's a rookie. He's on the Sixers. He is helping them compete with literally every team in the league, including the Rockets, like we mentioned. Um, a, how impressed are we with Ben Simmons, and where is he? Where is this guy going? Where is he bringing the game of the NBA? So I'll just take this one um, to start with. For a guy who can't shoot, 
he's shooting fifty three percent. Like, and I agree with you. He he's not the best shooter. He 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 really can't. He hasn't found his stroke yet. But he's shooting fifty three percent still. Like he is getting his somehow. And I say somehow because when you watch him, and we talked about this earlier, it's nothing like nothing stands out. But then you look at his stat line at the end of the night, and my guy's almost averaging it. I mean, I'm not going to say almost averaging a triple-double, but he's, he's three stats away from a triple-double. He's a rebound and two assists away from averaging a triple-double as a rookie. Like, he has been quietly unbelievable. That's how I will put it because, again, nothing surprises me. Like, nothing stands out when I watch him play, but he just makes the team so much better in such an easy way. He just makes it look effortless, you know? I was listening to Francesa today. He was talking about... Uh, Porzingis, but I think it it applies to what you're saying about Ben Simmons is the great scorers and great players in this league find a way to just casually score buckets, and then you look up, it's like, oh, they had 25 points. Oh, they had 30 points. He hasn't had a 30-point game or a 25-point game. He came close. He had 24 against uh, Houston, but I agree with you. He It just seems like he's kind of floating through the game, and then all of a sudden you look up, he almost has a triple-double, because he just he, he I think mentally he is he's there he's has the basketball mind to compete but it's just a matter of refining his skills and i think as he goes on in his career and even this season he's just going to get more comfortable with the pace of the game and he said he's not satisfied with how he's been playing so far this season and if he's not satisfied with almost averaging a triple double holy shit yeah i mean his ceiling as a rookie he has he has one of the highest ceilings, in my opinion, that I've seen in a long time. Like, it's it's nuts to watch right now. His ceiling I mean, is the roof. <laughs> his, ce- I mean, his ceiling is the moon. Forget the roof. Um, coming out of college, people said, like, you know, he had LeBron James-esque comparisons. Um, I mean, those comparisons could not be more correct, I guess, from what we see right now. It's like you guys say, he floats through the games. Um He's a master of taking what you give him. So he's kind of like LeBron in that sense. Like if you if you double him, he's going to hit the shooter in the corner. If you if you sag off him, he's going to take the floater in your face. If you come up too fast, he's going to drive right past you and dunk it. He's just a master of taking what's given to him. And like you guys said, as he finds his shot, as he finds his game in the NBA, when he finds something that nobody can guard, which he definitely has some moves like that, like – he is going to be an absolute player. I think he has a chance to have one of the best rookie seasons in NBA history. Guys, I'm Yeah. The one thing I want to see out of him is some sort of, we just talked about it, three-point shot. Like, did he has to settle down. Settle down with that. He's Until he learns to shoot with the proper hand and he just accepts the fact that he's a mother-effing righty, <laughs> I cannot even, I don't even want to hear you say the words jump shot. I, I, I get that, but like, He's only taken four three pointers so far. And like, one of them do you was like want a him to shoot shot. more three pointers? I don't. Know. I don't. No, you're right. I don't want him to. But it's just that. Listen, I don't have any complaints about him. But that is the one thing I would. I guess I'm just looking for the perfect basketball player. That's what I'm doing. I'm looking for the perfect basketball player right here. The, the fact that you have a watchable product on the court right now, after years of suffering, <laughs> after you and I, Bab, we talked about this. After you and I have suffered for years as <laughs> devoted Sixers fans. That you're talking about the perfect basketball player. Duff, are you, call, Duff, that, are you calling yourself a Sixers fan? Uh, yeah, I, t- I was talking to Bab last night. I was like, 
I was like, uh, yo, would you care if I just like hopped on the Sixers bandwagon hardcore? Oh, He's like, man. nah, go for it. I know Frank's blood is boiling right now, just calling you a front runner in his head. I know he hates not like even, this. Not even honestly, I'm just happy he moved away from something with a shamrock or like a Celtic <laughs> or something like that. Like, <laughs> at least he's got a broader spectrum on life now. <laughs> I'm, I'm, bro- I'm broadening my horizons, Frank. Well, yeah, see. I'm proud of you. I'm actually proud of you, though. Speaking of a shamrock. Uh, we got a guy up in Boston that we want to talk to, but my last thing will be about Ben Simmons. Let's watch this guy in transition as much as humanly possible. Yes. That guy moves down the floor, finishes dunks, finishes with his right hand specifically well on layups, and it's just so fun to watch uh, in transition. But back to the Shamrock, we have a little debate going on between the NBA Outsiders, and this is the NBA Outsiders podcast. forgot to mention that since the Open, we got into talking so much of uh, the NBA topics, but this is the NBA Outsiders podcast. It's on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Apple Google Play. You guys know that already because you're listening right now, but what we need you to do is subscribe, rate, and review this program. You need to go on iTunes. You need to click the subscribe button, drop some stars, tell us what you think, and shout out the NBA Outsiders. If you like what you're hearing from Pete, Bab, Duff, and Frank in no specific order, or if you only like one or two of us, I don't know. Uh, just tell us what you think. We'd love to hear from you. We appreciate every person who comes through and listens to this program. So thank you to that. Um, and hopefully we get lucky and we hit it big one day when the NBA Outsiders are big time. All you little listeners who are here since the beginning can say, yeah, I'm with those fools. I'm with those guys. So hop on the train now and we're going to enjoy this NBA season together. But back to the Shamrock. We had this little ongoing debate between the NBA Outsiders and that's between Jalen Brown and D'Angelo Russell. So obviously Brown with the Celtics, Russell with the Nets. We were talking about the teams, the markets, the players. Uh, but to this point, they're both playing pretty well, having good seasons. So, Bab, because you're a little bit more neutral in this decision, uh, or this discussion, I'll go to you first, and then Frank and Duff can can reconvene about where they landed last week. But what are you seeing from Russell, and what are you seeing from Brown, and who you liking better at this point? No Justin Babb available? No anybody available? Oh, oh my god. I was I was I was talking and I was muted. So you pulled the duff. I did. <laughs> so I'm just gonna just go right into it like I wasn't even hey, muted. Dude, it, it happens, alright? I'm not it happens, dude. Listen, you're not someone I'm gonna emulate, so we're just gonna pretend like that didn't happen. Or um, yeah. Alright, let's go Celtics. <laughs> so <laughs> I was on the Jalen Brown train after game one of the season. That was game one. Right now, I might have hopped on to Team Frank, and because if I'm correct, Frank was Team D'Angelo Russell, right? And it just looks like he's doing more for the Nets than Brown is doing for the Celtics. Like I thought, Brown would have a bigger role, obviously, when Hayward went down, and he has. But Russell has been performing way better than I expected him to, because I didn't even think that he was a I'm not going to say a good player because he is a good player. I didn't think he was a great player. But, I mean, he's averaging 20 and 5. Like, he's putting up great numbers. So, he, I think Russell's getting more attention right now, and I think that is deservedly so. So, I mean, I'll just keep it at that because I know this is a big Frank Duffy thing. What, do you, what, what are your guys' thoughts right now? So... I'm going to let Duff, you know, listen to us boast about how D'Angelo Russell is playing better for a little bit longer. So I'm going to take the reins right now. Um, I mean, partly why I felt 
that D'Angelo has a better shot of being an all-star um, was because he's more in the opportunity. He's more in like a situation where he is counted on to make people around him better as opposed to being a beneficiary of somebody else making him better. And um, he has taken that step up so far this season. He has made his team better. They have a few good wins this year so far. Um, they've been playing pretty well, so they can score. They're they're one of the better offenses in the NBA so far. So um, it's been impressive to watch. Um, I just think Jalen more so benefits from Kyrie Irving being such a special player. And, you know, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I just think that, you know, all-star worthy players make people around them better, not necessarily the other way around, benefit from others. So you're talking, you're, you're talking about D'Angelo Russell making people around him better, right? Yeah. So what I'll say to that is he's minus 46 on the season, his total. Is minus forty six. So he's he, when he's on the court, his team is losing by almost fifty points on the season. Yeah, over the course of how many games? Six. Six. Seven. Seven so, now, actually seven. So I mean, if you divide that out on a per game average, it's not. It's still not good. I'll give you that, but it's not that bad. And also, plus minus is a tough situation to to come come into here. And I know I I use the some plus minus statistics, of course, but. It's it's really early, and the Celtics have been a better team, so you can really benefit from that as well. Uh, but it's true. Russell hasn't been shooting well from three, though he's been hitting a lot of threes. What I think comes into this as well, I think Duff was alluding to this at some point, maybe I cut you off, but Russell has way more opportunity to score and create for himself, whereas Jalen Brown is playing off of Kyrie Irving and is expected to defend one of the better players and help rebound and slash and do different things. So they're kind of different positions in that sense, and Russell has more opportunity to, to do things for himself. Yeah, but to your point on real plus-minus, too, after the first week of the season, you know the top guard combination in plus-minus technically was was um, Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert. Like, <laughs> I was exactly. just about to say, D'Angelo Russell is... is riding Spencer Dinwiddie's coattails. But he's actually not. That's the thing. Is It looks like that way, but in reality, D'Angelo Russell is playing starter minutes against other starters, and Spencer Dinwiddie is playing against benches and backup point guards. So, yeah, Spencer Dinwiddie is playing better, but he's playing better against lesser competition. And D'Angelo is not playing bad. He's playing good. There's no doubt about that. I'm not even going to take that plus minus into account. Like, if you're going to tell me Spencer Dinwiddie's a better player than D'Angelo Russell, come on. Well, he's not. I mean, Russell is not just getting starter minutes. Like, his usage rate is second in the league behind James Harden. And we know, huh. I mean, James Harden is the league leader every wow. year. Like, in that I did stat. Not know that. Russell is second behind Harden. Like, every single thing that happens on that team right now is going through him. Like, so, yeah, he's on a bad team. So, like, I mean, I don't know if that plays into the plus-minus, but, um, you know, he is on a worse team, and he is being used an unbelievable amount. Like, the ball is going through his hands. So, I mean, that that was mind-blowing to me, that, that kind of stat. That's a good point. And we had talked about that, how he was going to get more opportunity on a worse team. And kind of as the season unfolds, 
my main focus was that Jalen Brown was going to be on a better team, so his name would kind of just, if he gets a couple highlight plays here and there, his name would stick out because the Celtics would just be in the news more. I think this, the Nets have definitely won some good games early on. And if they can somehow you know, stick around 500 by the time the All-Star break comes around, I would be surprised if D'Angelo Russell wasn't an All-Star. I'm just, I just don't think that they'll be able to maintain this pace, okay. especially with how bad their defense is. Very fair. Yeah, that's fair. I'll take that. Plus, there's more open spots for forwards. Yeah, that too. That's, just, that's just factual. Team. Duff, you taking <laughs> us to the next one? Or are you not checking, you your, checking your phone? I turned the freaking ringer off, bro. <laughs> well, get some vibrate up in here. Well, fine. I'll take us to the next one. Since you were supposed to do it, I'll do it. And I'm happy to do it because the next topic is Kristaps Porzingis and the New York Knicks. They beat the Cavs. They beat the Nuggets. And they also beat the Nets uh, earlier last weekend. So the Knicks proved that when clicking, they can score points, which we kind of thought would be a thing for the Knicks. But Christoph Porzingis has now proven over six games that he is a walking 30 points. Five out of six games, the first player in Knicks history for even to do it in four out of five games to score 30-plus points. This man has been incredible. Frank, I need to go to you first because uh, me and you, we're the house Knicks fans here. So this is our guy, and he's getting buckets at his will. What are you seeing from KP? Honestly, I am just enamored and I know I shouldn't be because he's the unicorn and he's a freak and all this stuff but literally it just seems like every game he still does something where I'm like oh my god like how and uh people were afraid of you know is he ready for double teams is he ready to be considered the number one option on a team uh he has answered that question um yes the unicorn is unguardable no matter what you do that man will do what he wants. And I love his mentality. Uh, we, we saw a picture today on Instagram where, you know, he quoted Kobe Bryant. And he was just talking about, like, he doesn't even look how many buckets he has. He just goes. And, and that's a phenomenal mentality to have, especially on a team like this. Like, he should just be out there to do what he's got to do. And that'll make us the best possible team. Um, shout out Tim Hardaway hitting a couple of big threes last game, looking like he could possibly be that number two guy. Shout out Knicks. KP, I love you. Um, I said I was listening to Francesa today. The one thing, like, obviously KP has been amazing. And if we're just going to, there's really no holes in his game right now. It's so impressive. Uh, And it's astounding to see he averaged 18 points last year with, Derrick Rose and Carmelo Anthony taking the ball away from him. And it feels like that – I'm looking at that as a wasted year. I really feel like we could have gotten more out of this last year. But whatever. We're here now and he's averaging 30. I'm happy about it. The one thing, if I'm a nitpick, is I want him to get to the free throw line more. I want him to get double-digit attempts from the free throw line because he's a he's a good free, free throw shooter. He's shooting 80-plus percent. So I just want him to get more free points at the line. That's the only thing I'll say. Yeah, I mean, he's been great to watch. Like you said, he's got five 30-point games in the first six. And I think I saw last year he only had three 30-point games. Like, that's a tremendous increase already. Like, almost a 100% increase. And we're seven, six games into the season. Like, he 
has overperformed what I thought he would do. I don't know if you as Knicks fans expected this. I mean, is it something that you saw coming into the year? Like this explosiveness, this like leadership, scoring, like everything he's bringing right now? It's this I weird mean, conundrum where... I saw... Oh. Yeah. You can go, you can go. Uh, I was going to say, it's this weird conundrum where Knicks fans wanted to really feel he was going to take that step, but they also forced themselves to weather the expectations. So as much as we thought he'd be awesome this year, we also were forcing ourselves to say, there's going to be more pressure on him. He's going to get more double teams. We don't know how he's going to handle it. Let's wait and see. And he has literally just torched all of our expectations to shreds. Mm-hmm. In my yeah, opinion. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. Like, um, I, honest, I definitely expected an uptick in scoring, but like I thought simultaneously like maybe his field goal percentage would drop possibly but right now that honestly doesn't even seem like the case so if he can keep this up it would be amazing and yeah, he's shooting he's shooting a higher percentage than last year i mean through six games he's shooting 48 percent so yes and his yes. i mean his, his turnover rate too has been really low like he hasn't been giving the ball up much for somebody that's been handling and dropping buckets in like just all around he's looked exceptional and he's been blocking a ton of shots rotating um, a little bit better than he did last year. I actually want to mention uh, an article on sportsblognewyork.com, the website that graciously hosts the NBA Outsiders podcast. You can find all of our episodes on there. Click on the podcast tab. We have our own page, the NBA Outsiders, up there. But our guy, Anthony, one of the sportsblognewyork.com writers, he had this quote in his story, and I loved it. So I have to repeat it for everybody. So here it is. Quote, our giant Latvian unicorn angel has transformed into a rim-protecting, net-swishing, fire-breathing, unguardable pegasus of destruction. <laughs> too much? Or, too much or not enough? Not enough. Not nearly <laughs> enough. Said so eloquently. Is Just that. right. Just right. That was perfect. Uh, and while we're still on the Knicks, and before we move on, uh, I do want to just mention Jarrett Jack has been able to be an NBA point guard in a couple games this season, and... Whether or not he's physically able to make plays hardly matters for this team because he's actually been a calming presence. And he often, I'm like, I'm not even kidding, when you watch the Knicks, look for this, he will literally point Enos Cantor to the right direction on defense. He will be like, snap, snap, that way. And Enos rotates and helps out on uh, blocking a shot or making a shot more challenging. So it's kind of nice to see somebody on the Knicks, you know, helping people be better. It's kind of nice. He- what? I'm so I'm so happy you brought that up because I actually saw Jared Jack in a game this week and I meant to bring it up. I totally forgot. Shout out to my man Jared Jack for still being in the league and <laughs> yeah. like me seeing him on TV. Like props to him. All right, this uh, this will be real quick. Uh, I live with a huge Nets fan. Jared Jack is on the Nets. Like his last season that he actually played, I think it was like three seasons ago. He's been super hurt the last two seasons. He actually had a decent year as a Net and look like an NBA point guard, like you kind of said, Pete. And, uh, like, again, like you said, he's just a calming presence. He's a veteran. He's been there before. He had nine assists in the first half against the Nuggets the other day. Um, He just – he understands. He gets it. He is a professional basketball player, and that's, like, nice to see. The Knicks haven't had a guy like that in a while. And last but not least, shout-out Frank Nielakina. I mean, a lot of growing pains there. I think Knicks fans are going to struggle with that. Uh, because he does make some turnovers, but you can tell he wants to make plays. He's even over-aggressive sometimes, and I think one thing you'd prefer in your rookies are aggressive mistakes over just dumb or 
uh, lack of focus mistakes. So it's nice to see him try to make plays. Nice to see him shoot the ball. He's made some shots. He's got to be a little bit uh, more foul conscious on defense. He's getting into some foul trouble. But I think there are enough positives to say Frank Nielakina should be a decent NBA player. And there's a lot to look forward to with him. All right, real, real quick, last thing. I just need a yes or no answer from all of you. Frankie Smokes, top 10 nickname in the NBA? It, I mean, if he if he takes yes that, or no, Frank? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pete, if you combine it with Frankie Nicotine, yes. All right, I agree. <laughs> Glad we're all on the same page with that. Yeah. You just gotta get to that level, man. You just gotta get there. Well, all right. Uh, now, now on to the man with the best name in the NBA, Genius Acapulco. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. <laughs> that, that dude from Greece. The guy gonna, the guy who does the Yairo Step? The Yairo Step genius. The Yairo Step and genius Atempoco. We're obviously talking about Giannis Atetokounmpo. Shout out to Frank Villani for trying to tell us to take the bet to ha- at 8-1 to one odds for him to be MVP in it before the season had started. And then... Screw all of us on this podcast who didn't take that bet. Wait, literally, I think two games happened and it went from a plus 800 to like a plus 300. And we're like, damn it, we waited way too long. Yeah, now it's plus 200 now. So Straight up, we blew it. That that one's going to haunt me. That feels really bad. Uh, I mean, if I could take the reins on this one, I guess. Uh, Literally everything I expected. I mean, I know it's crazy to say that because he's been performing at such a high level, but like, I think a lot of people, not just myself, saw him being this type of player. I, I Maybe some people didn't think it was this year, whatever, I did. Um, he can do it on both ends of the floor. He, he is shooting 33%, which we mentioned before is average in the NBA, but for a guy like that, it is just massive. Um, it makes him unguardable. A jump shot makes Giannis Unpoco absolutely unguardable. Um, the Bucks actually look like a pretty good team around him as well. They look pretty complete. Uh, Jason Kidd is a good coach, in my opinion, and uh, they're going places, man. They're going places on his back, on his shoulders. He may not be a unicorn, but he is some kind of mythical beast. Like he's an he, alien, bro. He is a freak, dude. Speaking of aliens, just want to toss this up. Do you guys see the thing that hit the Thunder's plane? Yeah. Yes. Had yeah. an alien, hundred percent. Dude, it was Giannis grabbing a board. All right, for those who haven't, for those who haven't seen this picture, pause this podcast and Google it, and just look up the thunder plane dent, like whatever. The whole nose of the plane was bent in, like two feet deep. It didn't make any sense that a bird could do that kind of damage. So, 100 percent bad. That was an alien. I'm there was an article saying it was an alien UFO coming to take Russell Westbrook back to his home planet. I was cracking up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Duff, but, Duff yeah, give our I listeners some that, credit, Duff, because they can look up a picture and listen to this podcast at the same time, all right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Prove me right. Keep listening and then also look it up and then tell your friends to listen to NBA Outsiders and check it out on Sports Blog New York. Click the podcast tab <laughs> all at the same time. Smooth, smooth. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, back to Giannis. Like, he is a freak. He's an alien. I mean, he is just unbelievable, dude. Like, I expected him to be really, really, really good, but this is unbelievable. Like, he is 
First first two weeks, week and a half, whatever it's been in the NBA season, he's the MVP. Frank, hands down, you're right, we blew it. <laughs> you can set your expectations as high as you want. You couldn't have set them this high. I think no, even I, even with Frank's prediction of saying Giannis is going to be the MVP this year, I don't. I still don't think you can expect what he's done. Right? Like it's crazy. I saw a thing today on NBA Math on Twitter. I'm pretty sure it's just NBA underscore Math. They post a lot of stuff with total points added, and it's not really too complicated. It's kind of self-explanatory. They take offensive points added and defensive points saved, find a net, and you know they they sh- they put a bunch of graphs out there. But via this graphic and this this calculation, Giannis Antetokounmpo in total points added in 2017 would have ranked in the in the 60s for total points added for the entire season last year. That's an accumulative total of how many points you mean to your team over the year. He would have been in the 60s already. Can I wow. cut real fast? Just yeah. real quick, because you said there's no way I could have expected this level. Just real quick. Um, look what the MVP of the season did last year and tell me I didn't expect humongous things from this guy. Like, I'm not even kidding you. I expected, like, 33 a game at least, like, 12 rebounds. Like, I had the highest expectations I've ever had for a player. Not not even exaggerating. Well, I, I, I had really high expectations. I was not as high as you, Frank. I thought he was going to get, like, 25 a game with, like, 12 rebounds and six assists, like, kind of flirting with a triple-double every night. I did not realize he was going to be able to fill it up I just this much like he he's he hasn't had less than twenty eight points in a game so far this season. He literally, if he gets the ball anywhere within the paint, you're done, absolutely done, because you can't guard him within the paint. He's too long, he's too fast, and he's too crafty. And and he besides really is that, like just 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 having this extra year and like I, I read so much things in the off season about him, like a bunch of Bleacher Report things, and one of the things I read about him was about like sneaker companies chasing Giannis, and like what they were doing to try to get Giannis to sign a shoe deal with them, and like it, it just like how could you not feel like an absolute baller? Like he's gonna get a contract with a shoe company that's probably bigger than LeBron's or oh, as no, no, big no, as no. LeBron's. Like that's wrong. I'm not kidding. Yeah, that that part's wrong, but you, you, everything else you've been Dude, right on. I'm telling, I'm telling you, you can tell me I'm wrong, but I'm telling you, this guy is the face of basketball moving forward. LeBron James Frank has, Volani, LeBron James has a billion dollar lifetime shoe deal with Nike. He's not going to get that. He, once, yo, I'm telling you, he's what is he right now? Twenty two. Yeah, he's twenty two years old. So LeBron's got what, like five years, probably seven, ten. five, seven years ten. left. Ten. Ten. Oh wait, wait, what are you talking about? Oh, years left in the career. Years left to being like LeBron James. Oh, I might I thought you were talking about how much older he was than Giannis. Sorry. No, no, no. How many years does LeBron have of being LeBron still? Maybe five years, right? Sure, say five. five. Yeah, five. five years. Giannis is going to be hitting his prime then, 27 years old. This is the, the future face of the NBA. We've all been searching for it. It's been right in front of our face. Well, if, okay. this, if this isn't his prime, I don't know. I'm, Holy I'm, shit! I'm afraid. He's 22. It's not. It's I'm not. I'm afraid. But wait. Also, though, you have to think about this. We talked about a guy named Ben Simmons before, and I think there's a real challenge of who will be taking the face of the Eastern Conference, and I think Ben Simmons has a chance to be right there with Giannis. We're getting, we're getting ahead of ourselves. I mean, I think Ben Simmons is a special player, but I mean, I. 
I, you guys know I don't like Kevin Durant. I usually don't agree with anything he said, but he said that that man has the capability to best be the best player of all time. I'm a hundred percent in on that. A hundred and fifty percent in on that. I love it. It's a good conversation, um, but we do got to get moving. Giannis has been spectacular. We do have to remember. We'll let's see him score thirty for like a month, and then we'll reconvene. I'm sure we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna talk about this a lot this season. He's been spectacular. Uh, but last but not least, the last thing I, we guys we want to talk about the NBA Outsiders rookie recap. Let's just shout out some of our favorite rookies because I think rookies always play a pretty interesting role in the season. Great little sub stories, especially when some are on teams that are actually good and help them win games. This year we have a great rookie class, in my opinion, that we were very excited for. And some of them are playing meaningful basketball, and it's been very fun to watch. So, uh, who wants to take the reins first and shout out some rookies? Uh, I'll go first, just to fuck with Bab. Um, I'm going to take Markel Fultz. I'm going <laughs> to shout him out. Um, real quick, it, it turns out he j- he's dealing, finally we get some communication here, he's dealing with some right shoulder soreness and a muscle imbalance. So, uh, we may be NBA outsiders, but we all grew up playing baseball, and baseball was all of our best sports. Um, and as pitchers, Bab and I, I've probably seen, I mean, I had some issues with muscle imbalance in my shoulder as well. And this is something that's, like, very fixable. Like, he's just going to have to re- rehab and do some just different exercises to sh- strengthen the muscles around his labrum. And I think that's going to be something that they're going to be careful with and take care of because – and he'll be fine because if if uh, they don't take care of it, you're gonna end up like Bab and need labrum surgery, and then your career is over. <laughs> R.I.P. Yeah, that kind of stuff happens sometimes. Wait, ba- uh, Duff, can I just also clear clear something up? I think Markel Fultz's rehab will go better, being that you know he's in a professional sports organization, despite his Chick Fil A habits, compared to your <laughs> college atmosphere where you did prefer, you know, beer and stuff. Well, I didn't have muscle imbalance when I was in college, thank God. Otherwise, I would have been shelved way earlier than I actually was. <laughs> I would have never done my rehab. <laughs> <laughs> well, what rookies do you actually like? Uh, all right. For real, uh, I'm very high on Jason Tatum. He just looks comfortable in in the NBA. He he has he's like 20, 19 or 20 years old, but he has an NBA body already. He looks comfortable switching on the perimeter and just I think he's in a good culture with Brad Stevens and the Celtics and I know I'm a Shamrock lover and whatever, Frank, but you can't you can't deny that he's looked like a very solid NBA player already. Oh no, I, I actually I was talking about this with a few people the other day. Um, I actually said this verbatim. I totally understand why the Celtics were so comfortable trading the number one pick. Um, I think Jason Tatum easily could have been a number one pick, like in retrospect, looking back, like from, from what we've seen early in the season, he looks like a phenomenal player. Yeah. Um, the Celtics, they have uh, great Celtics move again. Just trade back. Ainge can't draft. He's a bad GM, but he found, as what everyone says about him, bad GM, but he somehow traded back, still got the player he wanted, and has the potential to get more assets. Who, who says Danny Ainge is a bad GM? That's ludicrous. It's it's out there. You're it's right. It's out that's, there on the internet. That's not true. They criti- now, you know, you know what? Like, Duffy's right. They, they criticize him for for not taking big swings at stuff and for always just right. banking on just picks and not picking well. Right. Well, just a shout-out, Jason Tatum. 14 points per game. I mean, he's shooting 50% from three on about three attempts. 
So that's that's pretty nice stuff. And offensively, he really does look like a wizard. Uh, some a guy who's going to be able to create his own as well as you know spot up and do different things in the post. It's going to be fun to watch him develop, but also play meaningful basketball for the Celtics this year. Yeah, and people were comparing him to Paul Pierce and stuff, and I thought that was maybe you know like slow it down. Paul Pierce is the truth, like Hall of Famer. Let's just pump the brakes here. I wasn't completely sold on Tatum as a, as a college player. His defense was suspect. And when he played against Jonathan Isaac, who was kind of like that NBA body type of lanky defender, super athletic, he really didn't play well. But he he lo- really looks like he could be a, like very much like Paul Pierce. Bab, who's your rookie? Or rookies? Yeah, so I've only he's, – he's not going to play meaningful basketball. He's not going to be playing meaningful basketball. But he's looked really good. I've seen him two times watching his games, and then I've watched highlights. Laurie Markkinen, he's first in scoring out of all the rookies in the 2017 class. Simmons is beating him, but he was in the 2017 class. And he's also pulling down 10 boards a game, shooting 42% from three. Like I don't watch much college basketball, so I didn't really know what to expect. Actually, I don't even know. He came from Finland. I was going to say, I know he's from Finland. I know he's from Finland. He played for Arizona. He went to Arizona, though. He went to Arizona. My bad, my bad. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I don't really watch much college basketball, so I didn't know much about him. But he's kind of just surprised me. kind of jumped off the page, um, separated himself from the rest of the rookies that were drafted this past year. He's first in scoring, first in rebounding. And, like, he can shoot from deep. He's got some moves in the paint. He's been – I've seen him finish with both hands, like, smoothly, really well. Um I mean, like I said, I didn't know what to expect, but he's looked good, even though I do not think he would be playing meaningful basketball on the abysmal Bulls. I mean, that team's a mess. But one, baby Bulls. One thing out. I think is really cool with Laurie Marketing is that he's taking seven threes a game. Like He's literally yeah. getting up seven threes in a game. I did not expect that. I, I would also say it's the most surprising statistic to me. Yeah, it's, that's ridiculous. It's been fun to see that he can play basketball. I got a Bulls, I got a Bulls fan friend, and he is now conceding that Laurie Marketing does not suck. So he's not completely pissed off about this season, but mo- mostly pissed off. <laughs> Frank. The, finish, the finish, Dirk. Frank, give us a rookie, bro. So I, I actually have two. Is that okay? Yeah, you can. we'll do a little snake. So you can do one and then do one more, and we'll go around. Okay. So my first one, uh, I guess this is like my lesser one, but still nonetheless pretty good for me. Uh, Bam Adebayo down in Miami. Some Whiteside's been out for a little while, so he's been starting. He's getting like... You know, he's average. I think he's averaging close to a double double. I'm not sure if he's at that number just yet. But um, I watched the game the other night. He had 12 rebounds going into like the final third of the fourth quarter, and nine of them were offensive rebounds. Uh, and he just gets up. He's a, he's an NBA athlete. He's strong. He's big. Uh, I think he's going to be a meaningful player in the NBA to come in the future. Um, but to my other guy, the guy I'm really excited about. Um, besides Ben Simmons, because I said before he possibly could be the best rookie ever, but we're going to go beyond that. We're going to go to De'Aaron Fox in Sacramento, averaging like almost 15 and 5 off the bench. Um, he's been super impressive. Uh, I think he's good enough to where, you know, maybe even before the All-Star break, but even definitely after the All-Star break, I think he's going to take that starting job from George Hill. Um, but yeah, man, I, I really like De'Angelo, uh, De'Aaron Fox, rather. I think that was a steal at the number five, I believe. I think this draft class is a draft class we're going to look back on and possibly say maybe five or six people could have been the best pick in the draft. You know, you look at, if you if you calculate value of where they were drafted 
and then performance, what they're doing in the NBA, take guys like De'Aaron Fox at five, Dennis Smith at, what was it, eight or nine, I forget. Then you got even the likes of a John Collins, who's on Atlanta. He was in the, in the 20s, and he looks like an NBA player. And Bam Adebayo was in the, in the early teens. He looks like a good NBA player. There's going to be a lot of guys, and that, that includes Tatum and Josh Jackson, who can play basketball. There's going to be a lot of names from the 2017 draft. Uh, to name one that I have appreciated so far this year, and that's going to be uh, my guy from the Utah Jazz, Donovan Mitchell. Now, he's struggled kind of mightily in the first three quarters of games, but in the fourth quarters, he's getting he's getting buckets, he's making plays on offense and defense. He's showing plenty of signs that he can play basketball in the NBA and play at a high level. He's got a, a shot that's going to grow and get more consistent. He's got extreme athleticism, and if you saw that putback dunk that he threw down the other night, you know oh exactly God. what I'm talking about. Monster dunk. Donovan it Mitchell will be real, a real player in this league. That he was mad at someone when he threw that shit down. I don't know what was going on, but he was. Dude, he wasn't mad at someone or something. He was mad at everything. Yeah, he, was, he was mad at the world when he left off. He was the mad at the ball. He was mad at the rim. He was mad at the net. <laughs> yeah, that, that was unbelievable. I, I couldn't believe he threw that down. When I saw that on Instagram. I literally watched it on repeat like ten times. So I was just. Stunned, honestly, just stunned. And he is going to be playing meaningful basketball because the Jazz can compete in this NBA. And another guy who none of us even brought up yet is the most enigmatic guy in the class by far. Has a chance to be the best in the class. Also has a chance to, you know, fall behind some of these other guys who have more explosive athleticism or more uh, transferable scoring skills, if you will. But Lonzo Ball is electric. He brings a crowd. He brings eyeballs to the screen. He has amazing court vision, and that's undeniable in my opinion. He has been really fun to watch, and I think it's only up for him, obviously. He has adjusted very well at each level. It takes him a couple games to feel it out, takes some time, but he's used to getting everyone's best effort. We said it last week. He's like the Warriors in a single person. He's getting John Wall's best effort. He's getting Pat Beverly's best effort, and he's a rookie, and he's used to it. This guy's going to be a real impactful player, changing cultures left and right. The Lakers seem to love playing with him, and he loves moving the ball. So why wouldn't they? I think I I was going to say I'm a little concerned, but I'm not concerned about Lonzo Ball because of what you just said. He's going to get every point guard's A game because they all know everyone's going to be watching this game because they got Lonzo Ball in it. And if Lonzo Ball explodes against you know whoever it is, Damian Lillard or whatever point guard he's playing against that night, it's going to be all over the news the next day. Like, think about all the hype leading into this random October game against the Wizards, against John Wall. Like, who was it? Marcin Gortat said that he was going to, John Wall was going to put him through torture or whatever. Yeah. And Lonzo really didn't have that great of a game. He had six points. He had six points, but he had 10 assists and eight rebounds. So he's like, he, he looks like he's impacting the game. I think he's going to take nothing but, nothing but goodness like away from this season as he goes through he's going to go through some massive growing pains this year but i think the type of person that he is you know he he says all the right things and he when they lose he takes the blame and stuff like that i i i think next year he's going to have a huge leap i mean it's october i'm already thinking about next year but i i, I could see it coming yeah i mean i guess i'll just hop in here my other rookie, I know Frank just mentioned it, but I was going to talk about, I don't even know his numbers, but 
based off of the eye test, I know we talk about this couple ways you can evaluate players. Pete was high on him coming in. Uh, that man is Kyle Kuzma. He is talented offensively. And I'm just going to say that he was the biggest steal of the draft because I think he was in the late 20s. And he has just played very well. He can do a lot offensively. Like I said, don't know his numbers, but he's another really surprising rookie to me. He's he was a, he was a game. throwaway pick in that trade for like D'Angelo Russell and Timothy Mozgov. They got like Kyle Kuzma and and Brooke Lopez and whatever else. He was he was a throwaway, and what he's turned into, pretty impressive. He's a starter now. Yeah, he's going to be their starter. I mean, we said this before the season started. I posed the question, and I said, "Is Kyle Kuzma already better than Julius Randle?" And I think for this fit in the NBA, he is. He's better. He's averaging fourteen points. He stretches the floor. Moves the ball. I mean, you can't ask for much more out of a, a stretch four small forward combo guy, right? Yeah, you were exactly right. You heard of your first NBA outsiders. Tell your that's, that's it, bro. NBA outsiders where it's at. You know who else can play, by the way? Just to throw out some random names. Guys who I think have NBA talent, whether they be role players, whether they be fringe starters, starters, whatever. I think even the likes of TJ Leaf has proven he can do things on the basketball court, stretch the floor. You got... Um, Dylan Brooks out in Memphis playing meaningful minutes. We didn't even mention Jonathan Isaac, who look, looks like a freak. We, we got guys up and down, Luke Kennard, uh, who, who can do really good things in the basketball court. Even Terrence Ferguson in OKC. They're, they're going to have growing pains. Like Lonzo Ball, they're going to get torched on defense occasionally. They're going to get bodied. They're going to get out physical. But they're guys to watch because I think this draft is full of guys who are in this league for double-digit years. And then, yeah, one more sleeper draft pick. Yeah, you just mentioned uh, Terrence Ferguson, but it made me think of the Thunder. Josh Eustis. Um, I don't know if you've seen any of his I mean, he's plays not a, he's not a early rookie, on the season. He's What's not. Up? He's not a rookie. He's not a rookie. No. Oh, I thought he was. Well, yeah. he's like coming out of nowhere, and he actually looks like an NBA player. So never mind though. Oh well, speaking of that, Jordan Bell. He was thrown away for three point five million dollars from the Bulls. They literally just gave the pick to the Warriors for cash. And the Warriors draft Jordan Bell, and he's already playing minutes for them. <laughs> so, good, yeah, for, good for the Bulls. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Freaking Bulls. a young athlete like that, no? For sure. This draft. He found an off-the-backboard alley-oop in a game. This might have been the deepest draft. That's what I was going to say. This draft was low-key, like, turning out to be one of the deepest drafts that, you know, I've seen in a while. Yeah. It's, uh, like, yeah. it's a really good draft. There's a lot of good rookies it is very early and should we slow our roll probably but we won't we don't slow our roll here on the nba podcast. Not have that. Hell uh, no. just to mention before we say goodbye the for the day. Like, it's like water bro it's like water you can't stop it <laughs> and just before okay. we end up for the day i will mention this because we're recording this on tuesday night we mentioned how lonzo ball gets the best from everybody well the lakers are playing the pistons as we speak it's the second quarter and it just made me think that reggie jackson is out here wishing he had an ounce of fame that Lonzo Ball had. And he's probably trying to go at him so hard, and Lonzo literally doesn't care and probably thinking, who are you? Like, who is Reggie Jackson? <laughs> he means nothing to Lonzo. Um, so I think it's he's that guy. He was that guy who was on the Thunder who got froze out by Kendrick Perkins and Serge Ibaka. Do you remember <laughs> that when they wouldn't let him bring the ball to court? I that don't remember so that, funny. but I need to look it up. Oh, man, that was so funny. <laughs> 
Well, that's all we got. Anyone have any closing thoughts on the uh, NBA Outsiders? I think we just called this like an overall recap of the league, right? Yeah. Quick rundown. Yeah. What do we got? Closing, closing thoughts? Nothing? What do you guys got? Come on. All right. Real quick for Pete, Pete and Frank. Question, I have a question. One word. How do you feel about the Knicks taking Frankie Nicotine ahead of Dennis Smith Jr.? I'm okay. I'm I'm lukewarm. Lukewarm. That's how I would feel too. But I, Luke lukewarm is a good way to describe it. I would, as a not Knicks fan who has no irrational ties to Frankie Smokes, I would be a little worried. What I'm going to say is, what did we know before the draft? Dennis Smith was more NBA ready right now than almost anybody in the draft if he was healthy. You so know what else we knew? That Frank was a project. Well, we also knew that Dennis Smith has a possible bum knee, so... But that didn't show yet, so... I mean, it. he couldn't play his entire senior year in high school because of a torn ACL at the age of 17. That matters. No, yeah, you're right, but I'm saying, giving people the benefit of the doubt, we knew Dennis Smith would be more NBA-ready, and we knew Frankie Nicotine was going to be a little bit of a project, and he's going to be a project... But I'm happy with some of the signs that I'm seeing from him. Like that one bounce pass he made in transition to Kylo Quinn was so calm, was so smooth, perfectly timed, perfectly placed. He has transferable skills, and they're going to show themselves more and more as we go. I just think with a top 10 pick, you should be taking the player who looks like they're more NBA ready. And then when you get into like post 15, you know, pick like 15 or higher. That's when you need to be looking at the projects and the raw players. Well, I think you should give us Knicks fans a break because Phil Jackson was our leader. Well, also, he didn't draft Frankie Smart. Yes, he did. If he had that philosophy, the Knicks wouldn't have Chris Zingas at the number four because everybody thought he was going to be a massive project. And Yeah, but those people are all, all obviously misinformed. Like, as soon as KP came into the league, we're like, wow, this Duke of Hope. I agree with you, but I'm just saying it's not always I, it's not always a foregone conclusion. It's it's obviously so early. I'm just I'm just expressing my thoughts. No, I feel you. I feel it, it's interesting thoughts, but thank you guys for listening today. NBA Outsiders podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed. It's really important though. If you like what you heard, if you're listening to us right now, you need to hit subscribe. You need to click on some stars. You need to tell us what you think and shout out the NBA Outsiders. It means the world to us. Uh, we have something we don't get to say enough is that we appreciate every listener, whether it be someone we know, whether it's someone we don't know, whether it's someone on the other side of the country, other side of the world, we don't care. We just appreciate that you're here listening. So uh, for John Lucas Duffy, Justin Babb, Frank Vellani, I'm Peter Kennedy. This is the NBA Outsiders. Keep enjoying this NBA season. Hit us on Twitter at NBA underscore Outsiders. We'd love to talk to you. Thank you for tuning in.